Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Daily Doctor's Kitchen with me, your host, Dr. Rupi. I'm a medical doctor and cookbook author, and The Daily Doctor's Kitchen is a series of bite-sized nuggets of information all to do with food, nutritional medicine, and healthy living taken from my main podcast, The Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. And if you want to learn how to eat well every day, check out my free recipes, books, newsletter, and download the app at thedoctorskitchen.com. Yeah, I, I wonder if before we get into some um, chapters of, of the book and, and some of the examples that you've, you've laid out, maybe you can give us a, a bit of a brief history of how we got to growing food in the first place. I, I love what some of the opening elements of the book where you basically give a very brief history of, of food. Um, you know, 13 billion years ago, we've had the creation of the universe. Four billion years ago, you know, we have this fiery volcano-ridden uh, earth uh, how do we get from from there to to growing uh, different types of of grain, fruit, and, and cultivating it, which led to the the um, the increase in populations around the world? Yeah, yeah, because there are there are many different timescales that I try and introduce in the book, and I uh, that the section that you mentioned is one in which I'm trying to just get people to start to think about uh, and, uh, and appreciate really the mind blowing inheritance really that does span back billions of years of biodiversity or as some people might refer to it agro biodiversity agricultural biological diversity so um and you know i i i uh, make reference to the Cambrian explosion hundreds of millions of years ago when the ancestors of most life on earth start to uh, appear uh, and then the arrival of grasses as well wild grasses um just a you know a few tens of millions of years ago um and 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 then the crucial periods of in human evolution so the idea that you know whether if you take two million years ago and the the fact that we start to uh, you know our ancestors um in their different forms start to work on walk on two legs and the way we interact with nature in a completely different way and that that then um becomes important in terms of our you know the way we forage and hunt and um I, I the very first story in the book um and there's a chronology that does thread through the book of our 
our evolution and our relationship with nature. So the very first story is me spending some time with the Hadza in Tanzania, some of the last hunter-gatherers in Africa. And, and again, it's almost like the starting point because that um, lifestyle which they have held on to, or at least 200 members of this um, tribe in, in eastern Tanzania um, near Lake Yassi, is the is the oldest, longest, and most successful human lifestyle uh, to date. So um, you know the idea that we we only started farming, agric- you know we became agriculturalists ten twelve thousand years ago. Well, you know that that follows on from hundreds of thousands um, of of uh, years as Homo sapiens as hunter gatherers. And so I tell that story of the skills and the knowledge that the hunter-gatherers in Tanzania still have, which which would have been the dominant human story. Um, and then, yeah, 12,000 years ago in the Fertile Crescent, which is southeastern Turkey into Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, that part of the world, you, you get um, hunter-gatherers who are interacting um, more pers- purposefully with um, these wild grasses, uh, consciously and unconsciously selecting ones that um, are producing uh, more food, uh, more consistent, reliable food as well, which is how we then end up with domesticated varieties of wheat, barley, chickpeas, lentils, the so-called Neolithic package. And that really is a turning point because that then results in settled um, communities, uh, Food that can be stored uh, completely changes diets and also um, human civilization. So the very first cities emerge from those origins in the Fertile Crescent as well. And then what we see is these 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 populations spreading out around the world and these practices, so that farming really starts to take off and hunting and gathering disappears. And where it was wheat and that, those other um, ingredients from the Neolithic package in the Fertile Crescent. In southern Mexico, we have maize, a maize culture. Uh, in in China, um, the domestication of rice as well. All from these wild grasses, but they are the ones that provide the energy and the storable carbohydrate that then goes on to change life and humans, human societies as we know it. So, yeah, I, I think the history is really important because it does explain really our evolutionary history in terms of the amount of plants those hunter-gatherers would have been um, feeding from, the huge amount of diversity that they would have been exposed to through the seasons, and also the way in which those plants, as they've been domesticated and then spread around the world, adapt to different cultural uh, preferences and also environmental factors as well. So we end up with huge amounts of diversity of, of the same kind of food. Wheat, as it travels around the world, becomes hundreds of thousands of different things because it does adapt to different soils, uh, access to water, and so on. And that's why I wanted to tell that story. It's, uh, we all need to know that history. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's, it's such an important um, anchor for a lot of people learning about food and the production of food and farming in general. A quick question about those different grasses. Would the, um, the dominance of corn, the dominance of rice and all the, uh, all the different plant varieties have occurred simultaneously as the wheat dominance in places like 
what we call now the Middle East, but the Levantine area, Jordan, Syria, all the, uh, those sort of areas around um, uh, that part of the world. Would that be in concurrence or would it be uh, step changes afterwards, like a little bit further as, as uh, humans um, migrated? It's pretty much concurrent. Um, so um, archaeobotanists are still doing a lot of work and making discoveries um, about uh, you know early forms of farming. Um, but because of um, mostly, we think, climatic reasons around the world, these different populations in different parts of the world end up interacting with the grasses in this new um, new way. So the the earliest um, evidence of, of farming can be found in the Fertile Crescent. Uh, maize and rice evidence appears later, um, but not we're not talking huge um, amounts of, of gaps in time. Um, so a few thousand years, but obviously in the big picture, I mean it's pretty all it's close together really in 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 human history. And one you know main explanation of that is because there were these climatic factors which meant that that lifestyle that practice that source of food was becoming uh, more important to those um, small groups uh, that inhabited those parts of the world I hope you enjoyed today's Daily Doctor's Kitchen. The Doctor's Kitchen podcast is where I discuss multiple topics around nutritional medicine and well-being with experts and researchers from around the globe. And you can find me on social media at doctors underscore kitchen. Sign up for free recipes every single week at thedoctorskitchen.com. And don't forget to download the app. I'm Dr. Rupi. Have a beautiful day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.